I've got a couple people speaking today, actually. Um, so we're going to have Melinda, and we're going to have Kalea, and we're going to have Di Diane Knight. So Melinda's going to share about um, her, her uh, I was going to say, call it a business. That's terrible. Her ministry. So she has a grace ministry. She has um, a community birthing center, a grace community birthing center. And she's going to talk about that. And what it's going to do is when, whenever we speak about where we are and what God's doing in us, it's actually a testimony. And God watches over that. And he actually activates us to where maybe something's been dormant. Maybe we have showed up for God and we said, here I am, but we don't know what our purpose is. We don't know what our calling is. Well, he does because it's his purpose and his calling. And it's written on our hearts. It's written in our spirits. And sometimes it takes just the testimony or the spirit of the Lord or your yes where God can activate that. And you could actually end up moving into something that you never even thought of because Holy Spirit speaks to us of things we've never seen, heard, or known. We didn't even know that was there. We didn't even know that God had that written on our DNA. But there's something that gets activated when we hear someone else's story. So Melinda, I want to invite you up to share. And so just say a big yes to God. Just open your hearts wide and say, because what I found is to find my purpose and the anointing and the call, the prophetic word that's been spoken over me, what God has said to me was the first thing God asked me to do was come alongside others and help them, to help them in their dream and their vision. And so that's how I just showed up in other people's lives. So, so when you hear this, remember the begin, your beginning of what God's called you into might just be helping someone else's dream or vision. So thank you, Melinda. Good morning and, yep, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Uh, thank you, Mark, for that introduction. Um, that, that really just hits the spot. Um, I was um, doing mission work in Haiti uh, between the years of 2010 and 2014. Um, and I think I was quietly doing it. I never asked for support. I never came up and told people what I was doing. And, you know, you'd come home uh, and people were like, oh, how was your time away? And, you know, how do you answer that question, living? <laughs> living the very different life that you live uh, when you've lived overseas in, in a one minute. No one can really grasp what your life is like. And so those years um, were very special to me, but they were very quiet. But um, that's changing, as I've been up here a few times now. <laughs> and um, the things that happened all those years ago started out of a friendship um, with my friend Nina Lubin, she was the translator at the birthing center that I was working at down there. I'm a midwife, so I went down to volunteer. And um, she just caught the vision for midwifery. And she thought, I can do something here. I can do something with this. I can change my community. I can change people's lives with this um, tool, this modality. And, and, and that seed that was planted 13 years ago is now in full fruition. And we're running a center, as some of you have heard, some of you haven't. So I'll just quickly summarize. Um, Nina became a midwife in 2015. In 2016, she got three acres of land donated to her by a local Haitian gentleman. And um, from that time on, myself and other board members have been working um, behind the scenes, trying to bring all the funding together to make this birth center possible. And, um, and we did. So uh, last time I spoke was in May, and we had just opened our doors. Uh, so we finished our building in April, and, and we've been doing births and all kinds of fun things ever since. So I just want to bring you guys a little bit up to speed on, on that work. And I, I, just want to, um, I just want to quickly pray. I feel nervous, <laughs> um, and I feel emotional. This is, a, this is a love, but it's a burden, but it's a burden that God's put on my heart. And so I'm asking you guys to join me in this love for Haiti in this moment. So I'm just going to pray. Lord, would you just speak to each one's hearts? And whatever is on their heart, their dream to do, that as they hear the words that I share of the good work that you're bringing about in the world, that you would just bring alive their hopes and dreams for the word that you have spoken into their heart. I pray that as we look at these images and hear people's stories, we will be touched and moved with compassion. And if there's anyone here that fe feels that call to Haiti impressed upon their heart, Lord, that you would speak to them and that um, you would use me as a vessel to bring your kingdom 
in your name, amen. Oh, I feel a little bit like the, the midwives today because I haven't slept in two days. <laughs> just a random burst of insomnia. And um, we had, um, just recently, we had two babies born 18 minutes apart <laughs> at the birth center, so they were just running off their feet. <laughs> so I'm feeling a little bit <clears throat> like that this morning. So, okay, I just want to go through some of these beautiful pictures so you can see what's been happening. Um, we've had 62 women birth, um, not at our center, but they've been in our care and they've delivered either at our center, at home, or they've been transported to the hospital. Uh, and we consider all of those wins, whether they're at our center or born somewhere else, because they come, they get all their prenatals, then their checkups and their ultrasounds, their blood work and all of that, and their education, which is most important. Because those women who ended up transporting to the hospital, you'll see a picture in here later, the education saves their lives. You know, because education lacks so much in Haiti, just the little tidbits that you can get when you come for a prenatal visit, like, oh, do you have a headache? Do you have blurry vision? Let's check your blood pressure. Let's check your urine. Oh, this is what you need to look out for. And those little tidbits of information literally save women's lives. And, and we have a picture of one of the women who, who we were able to get her to hospital and get higher level of care, that she might have stayed home and considered that she was under a voodoo spell and not feeling well because there was a curse on her. Meanwhile, she, she actually just had a medical condition that needed to be treated. So <clears throat> those are big wins for us. These are some of our babies uh, that have been born in the last six months, seven months. Oh yeah, to the monitor, thank you. Uh-oh, did I turn it off? Oh, did I, okay. Uh, so this baby on the left, that's baby Darwin. He was the first baby born at the birth center. And uh, he's a very healthy six-month-old. Well, he's seven months old now. Um, but he was exclusively breastfed, which is also just a huge win, um, where babies are dying of um, malnutrition and, and diarrhea. Because if, if babies can't be breastfed in Haiti, people cannot afford formula. And oftentimes, they don't even have clean drinking water, right, to make the bottles and prepare, prepare the bottles and sanitize them. So this baby being fully breastfed is so beautiful. That is just like one of the highlights, really, to see this baby thriving as he is. But the work isn't over because <clears throat> what happens is around six months, the moms start losing weight, right? And people don't have enough food to eat. And so the moms are like, okay, I fed you for six months. Now I'm going to wean you. And then they start on food and they don't have adequate calories and nutrition. They don't have the breast milk anymore and they don't have formula. So they will often give them like canned milk, watered down canned milk and food. And so we start to see a, a really big decline in baby's health from six months onward. So that's why our postpartum classes are so helpful in helping to you know, educate women more on how they can keep their milk supply up even when their calories are not quite adequate. Um, so I hope to show you in another six months time baby Darwin looking just as beautiful as he is now and not with, you know, orange tint hair, which so many of the babies end up with. Um, so that was our first baby born and this is our most recent baby born just a few days ago um, with her mother. I don't know if there's, is there a little delay when I press the button? Okay. Oh, this is our most recent postpartum class. Uh, so this is just some of the 62 mums who have delivered in the last seven months. And, um, you know, because our work is rural, it, it's a great effort for these women to come out to the birth center. Um, you know, everyone has to take a taxi. Uh, which is, you know, like a motorcycle. And I wish we would have a picture of that because you'd probably see one of these small little mopeds with um, the driver and possibly two women and a baby on the back, <laughs> just trying to make it as affordable as possible. Um, so it's, it's quite the feat to get out to this rural location because it's all rural, right? Um, so we're holding postpartum classes once a month just because the women, if you had it once a week, they couldn't afford to come once a week. It's a, it's a big sacrifice to pay the taxi to get there. But um, they had a great day of fun, and um, they had a big class, and they had some beverages and refreshments. And these are our babies that were born uh, 18 minutes apart. <laughs> 
Uh, this is that mom I was talking about who had the high blood pressure, and because of the education, she called and she said, I have blurry vision. I feel terrible. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And her blood pressure was 190 over 120 when they got there. Uh, so she was quickly transported. She had a condition called preeclampsia. And they were able to transport her before she had a seizure and she delivered safely at the hospital. And her and her baby are doing very well. Here's um, one of our midwives and our nurse on the left. And this is just a baby just born. That is Ninat, our founder. On, so on the right-hand picture, the woman on the left is Ninat, and then our nurse and the mama with her brand-new wet baby. This is um, our mango tree. It's our biggest tree in the yard, and um, women get to labor in the shade, although she's standing in the sun <laughs> at this moment. Um, we have a three-acre property, and it's slowly being developed. As we have the funds, you know, we'll be able to put in more grass and more fruit trees, and all of that. Um, but it's really flourishing because we were able to put a fence up. And prior to the fence, all the cattle and all the sheep were coming in and peeing and pooing everywhere and eating all the grass and all the shrubs. So it's looking um, much more green these days. And here's this is the only picture I have in this slide shot of the actual birth center. Um, so we've got an amazing dad just helping out, which is so cool because if you give birth at a hospital, the dad's not going to be there and he's going to miss seeing how strong and powerful his wife is and how vulnerable and sometimes scary and dangerous birth can be. And he gets to be there and hold her hand and speak loving words and sleep with her in the bed afterwards and be there to bond with the baby right away. It's absolutely beautiful and unheard of in most places in Haiti. Um, I think I've told you, so we've been doing community work in Grand Bassin here since 2016. Um, and so this is one of our community classes. We have uh, girls and boys sexual health and education classes, which teach um, not only you know, the basics, mechanics, and health and safety of all that <laughs> kind of thing, um, but also sexual integrity and what relationships have the potential to look like and how to develop strong and healthy boundaries um, because, you know, the age of maturity and sexuality is very, very young in Haiti. So it's been an amazing class. It runs for 10 months of the year, uh, once a month, and they're usually all together for anywhere from three to five hours. And this is um, an outing um, just, a, I think, a month or so ago. They went to the beach, which is a huge treat for them. And there they are getting a lesson at the beach as well. So we, we're always pumping stuff in them, whether we're just you know, having fun throwing frisbees on the beach, we're, we're also educating. Um, this is uh, such an incredible little man. His name is Joseph. And uh, he was born uh, at home at 31 weeks. He was a client, his mom was a client of Grace. And for whatever reason, well, actually, the reason they didn't call is because she knew she was too early and she knew the baby was going to die. Um, so this is her second baby, and her first baby died due to a preterm birth uh, and inadequate medical care. So this little guy, he was born at 31 weeks, which, um, born at home, six hours later, they call Ninette and say, um, okay, can you just come? I think she might have needed... I forget what exactly she needed, but she didn't want help with the baby specifically because she was convinced the baby was going to die. So when Nina and the team arrive, they try to convince her, like, this, you, you know, the baby has a chance at life. Like, let's get to the hospital. And they're like, no, 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 we can't. We have no way of, we have no finances. Uh, and Nina was able to find a donor very quickly and pleaded with them, please, let's take the baby. And they were just like, no, they were just hopeless. You know, they'd already seen... They'd already seen one loss, and they were sure that this was the end. The baby had labored breathing and was cyanotic. And um, Anyways, they called her in the morning, and the baby was still alive and in pretty much the same condition. And they, thought, they said, well, we thought the baby was going to be dead, but since it's not, can we still go to the hospital? <laughs> so Nina went and picked them up, and off they went. And um, the picture on the left, this is Joseph after being in the hospital for two months. And had he stayed in there any longer, I'm sure he would have been dead because that's not what a baby should look like under good care in a NICU. So he was being starved, just inadequate, you know, who knows what all the reasons were. Um, and his mother had been um, hand pumping, expressing breast milk uh, 
because that uh, we need some breast pumps in Haiti. <laughs> Um, so if anyone would like to contribute to breast pumps, that's a big need. But she did it. She hand pumped for two months. And she wasn't able to start feeding him in the hospital until I think maybe the last 10 days before he was discharged home. That was one of the conditions he had to be able to nurse on his own. Um, this little guy is a fighter. I mean, I, I'm just blown away that he made it. Um, and then he came home. And this was 10 days after he was discharged, and look at how different he looks. You know, just being under his mother's care and receiving her milk, uh, and he was gaining very adequate weight at that time. It was amazing. <laughs> and this is him. <laughs> this is at about three months old. So um, back to that other picture, he was um, three pounds, four ounces when he was born, or sorry, not when he was born, he was a little less than that. When he was discharged from the hospital, he was uh, 3.4 ounces. And um, I don't have his exact weight here, but I think it's around four, four pounds something. Uh, and he's growing. Um, whoops. Yeah, and there he is. That's his most recent picture. That's from about two weeks ago. So he's now uh, five pounds, was it two ounces, honey? I Anyways, he's over five pounds. So he's gained two pounds since he was discharged in a two-month period. Uh, and he's, he's doing phenomenal, and he's just the hope of the family and the hope of the community. It's just really surreal for these people who they would have had no options had somebody not stepped up and said, I can make this possible. Um, and, and her milk is not quite filling all his needs. So he's getting about one to one and a half bottles a day and they can't afford the formula. So we are sponsoring the formula, which is 30 to $40 a month. So if, if little Joseph is tugging on anyone's heartstrings and would like to take on his formula feeding, which may go for another um, six to eight months, then please come talk to me because um, he's probably going to need that top up. Um, so, um, that's our website, and um, if anyone wants to come and chat with me afterwards, um, there's, oh, I forgot to put these two little slides in. Okay, so we have created a little gift catalog, and it's on our website. If you go to donate, and then it says, through the month of December, if you would like to um, send in a donation, you will receive a Christmas card, and on the front is pictures of our moms and babies, and on the back it says, um, this amount of money has been donated in your name to Grace Community Birth Center. Um, so if you're looking for that gift for that impossible to buy for person, or that person who already has everything but you still want to uh, show some love to them, you could make a gift to Grace and receive a beautiful card. They're in the mail now. So if anybody wants to do that, I can make sure that I get those cards to you before Christmas. Um, and of course, um, Monthly donorship is how we survive. That's how we know that we have the money to go forward every month. That's our bedrock foundation. We apply for grants, and we have one-time big donors come in that help us fund projects, because the work is far from done. We still have a lot of property development to do, um, and needs that come up all the time. Um, our truck needs to be replaced. It's been having some breakdowns, and it, you can see how critical it is that we have a running truck that we can transport our moms and babes. So. If anyone's out there and says, I can put $10,000 towards that, you know my name. Um, <clears throat> thank you for all listening. Thank you for hearing my heart. And um, I just wanted you to create an image. Actually, if everyone could just stand up for just a second and hold hands. If you're comfortable holding hands and stretching across the room. <laughs> <clears throat> and I want you to very gently, without pulling anybody over, move to the right of the auditorium by one or two feet. I want you to feel the sway. The people on the right, pull. Pull. People on the right, pull. Okay, did you feel those people on the right pulling you who are on the left? Did you feel that tug? <laughs> I hope so. I <laughs> I want you to cement this image in your head. This is what it looks like to reach into the nations. 
we are all conduits. We are all connected. Our, our energy field is connected. Our hearts are connected in this moment. Let us reach out to those places that God has called us, whether that's Haiti, whether that's Nicole's work in Kenya, whether that's Kara's work in Albania, or any, any one of you else here who are working on the streets of Nelson, Castlegar Trail. We need movement. Be the conduit that, for what God has put on your heart. Feel that tug. And, and the people in Haiti and all those places I mentioned will feel that ripple effect as you felt when the people on the right pulled, you guys moved. Let's do that for each other. Okay, thank you. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Thank you, Melinda. Did you feel that tug? You know, when we show up for God and we say, here I am, <clears throat> that here I am is always a go. Go into the nations, go into the world. Um, Jesus Christ is the light of the world, but you carry that light. You're his temple. And so you answer that tug. And when you answer it, at first you never know even what you're saying yes to. It's just, it's just a yes, and, and God says go. And so it's, it is a tug. It is a movement. It's an act of faith. And so um, I just want to give a little announcement that wasn't given out because we forgot. But next Sunday, we're just having a Christmas morning, a Christmas Eve morning service. There will be no evening service, no Christmas Eve service. So just two weeks. Yep, two weeks, sorry. We'll be just doing that in the morning. We won't have an evening service. So um, you might want to check out the other churches around here and find out what church you would like to go to for an evening service. So see how good it is to hear from community because you know you can go to church with people and have no clue what their life's been about. They could, they could have been serving the Lord for decades and you have no clue. And, and so we need to hear other people's hearts. We need to hear the passion of what God put in them and why they go and why, why are they sacrificing. This is a sacrifice because there's a revelation of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that there's some way we want to give our lives in some way. And it can even be as simple as being a safe home for your neighbor's kids after school. Like that can be a go. It can be a go to your community. It can be a go to your neighborhood. And so also because we have the candle of joy today, I want to invite Kalea up, and if her mom wants to come up with her, she can. But we have the pink candle of joy today, and, and Kalea has a testimony of joy and so I just of pink. So I just want her to share that, that when we come here and in worship and our hearts are open and we have this yes to God, God's always revealing himself to us. He's speaking to us in our worship. He's speaking to us when we pray. He's speaking to us even when you lay. He, God always speaks to me when I go to bed at night. I just put my head on the pillow and he starts speaking to me. And I'm like, oh, do I need to get up and write this down? Because I'm going to forget by the morning. But I just want you to hear Kalea's testimony, how he, she hears God and she acts on it. There's a go, there's a tug to react on what God has said. Welcome, Kalea. I'm just, she's very nervous, so I'm just going to ask her the questions to sort of prompt her in, in uh, what, what she uh, would like to share with you. So um, how about you just start off with uh, the prophetic word that you were given about four or five months ago from somebody about wearing a certain color. Um, somebody prophesied that um, I have to wear pink because my whole life I've been kind of like always like helping around with the kids and never like just being like a kid myself and just acting like an adult and so somebody prophesied over that I have to wear pink because it um, means um, to be joyful like a child and so my mom um, a couple weeks later my mom bought these um, special flags that somebody prays over them and put certain colors and when I opened the mail, it turned out to be pink. <laughs> show, them, show, them what the, show them what it looks like. So Kalea, um, her least favorite color in the entire universe is pink. So when she had the prophetic word, she said, Okay, God, for you I will wear pink, but only at home. And so when we picked up these flags, she was like, You gotta be kidding me, God. For real? So she has these pink flags now that she um, is able to, it basically represents joy. And, and then we were, when we were in Mexico in October, some random lady came and gave you another word. She gave me a word um, that 
I should dance, be dancing, and um, that that um, I'm very creative. And I never told her, which I am very creative, which was kind of weird. And dancing like with flags and stuff. And I never told her about that either. Just like a random lady I don't even know. So it was another confirmation to her about um, pink and dancing and using flags. So. Thank you, Kalea. Thank you, Kalea. So worship takes many forms. And when we're invited to worship at the beginning of every service, it's you worship according to the gift of God that you are, what God's put in your DNA to be true to yourself. That's how you be authentic. That's how you be unapologetically you. You have, to, you have to show up to be you. And if no one else is doing it in the room, you still have to be you. Because when my husband and I, we went to Toronto and it was, uh, you know, like there's like 1,500 people seated and then there's an overflow, I think about 800 to 1,000 people. And, the, um, you know, sometimes your worship can be meditation. It's very quiet. It's very, it's silence. Just waiting for God to speak, waiting for God to move. And sometimes your worship is you're on the move, your body's moving, your body's dancing, you're shouting. And so when we were in Toronto, there's like dead silence with 1,500 people. Can you imagine that? So just complete silence. And my husband's sitting beside me and he starts laughing his head off. And I'm absolutely mortified. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, there's no reverence in him. What's the matter with him? This is the awe of God. And, and I turn around and every eye, I'm not kidding, I turn around and a thousand people are looking at us and I'm like dying. And, and it was like, and I'm like, God, you have to do something about him. And God said, in my presence, there's fullness of joy. And do you know what God activated in that room? Fullness of joy. And there was so much laughing in that session that started with, with the speaker also, that people were pouring bottles of water over each other's heads. And there was an activation and a release of joy because that's what God wants to do because joy heals the heart. Laughter's like medicine, right? So one person can start something and you can think, oh, that's not God. I'm not doing that because so, I'm not doing that. That's not God, you know? And so part of worship was when I first got saved and I was in church and I sat at the back, of course, because I was one of those people like, ooh, this is new. I don't know if I like it. And uh, there, everybody's worshiping and I'm like, Wow, I really want to do that. But I just had no freedom. And they're shouting. And I couldn't shout either, but I loved, I so loved God. I was so in love with God. I had such a, such a born-again experience. That was, it was radical. That's all I can say. It was a radical experience, my born-again experience. But yet I still couldn't express myself the way I wanted to. And it kept getting preached from the pulpit how to, you can express yourself many ways. And yet I couldn't shout, and I couldn't jump, and I couldn't, I couldn't see a great big hallelujah. I couldn't be loud in the room. I didn't want to be seen. I didn't want anybody to see me. And I, I thought, okay, I'm stuck. You can't help but read the word about shouting and praising. I mean, when we sing, we're singing, we're shouting, we're praising, we're dancing. You read, you read the Psalms, you read the word of God, what they're doing in their response to the presence of God and their response to being loved. It's just a, it's a natural response to God. We're not stoic. We're not dead. We're not, we're moved. See, the dead can't praise God. See, there was something dead in me that could not praise God. And so I just said, God, I, I can't even shout your name. I can say your name, Jesus, but I can't shout it from the rooftops. I can't shout your name. And so I owned a business at the time, and I had a jukebox on the wall. And so when, when the day was over and the night had come, I turned the jukebox on and I put it as loud as it can go, which was almost making the windows shake. It was really loud. And I started worshiping God at the, my voice, the greatest shout you could ever hear. I was just shouting to God and I got a complete release. So I can worship God authentically now. I can worship him in silence. I can, I can worship him shouting. And so, because we are the body, and the body's fluid, and the body moves, and we have many expressions in the body, God wants you to be able to express authentically you 
all the time in many ways that you just don't have one expression of worship. You are the worship. You are the temple. You are the place. And you worship in spirit and truth. And I wasn't being true to myself because I believed a lie. So there's people in here that, like, and I was mad every time they preached about that. I was like, this is who I am. Don't you make me, don't you make me get up and shout. You think I'm going to dance for you? It's not happening. <laughs> I was really, really angry, and that made me know, okay, I've got an issue. <laughs> this, is, this is an issue, and God wants our freedom, right? And so in that, I got my freedom. So I just want to bless every person w- with freedom in this house. And when we talk about flagging, you see, that was Kalea's freedom to hear from God, to wear a color that I absolutely refuse to wear. I hate pink. I will never wear it. But God, you've asked me to wear pink, and I will wear it. And you know that's called breakthrough from the inside out, that yes to God. Because just that one little yes is the step into the yes. You give him your 10%. That's your tithe. You give him your yes. You step into it 10%. He brings the 90. You're not trying to earn it. You're not trying to get it from him. He's more than willing to be the whole 90% for you in all things. So today I'm going to invite Diana. She's going to talk about flagging. And because we had Kalea, because it is a freedom of the body. The body, we need to be, we're full of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. This is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is joy. And you know, I had a great resistance to joy because of my story. I thought, I I endured, I survived, that was good enough. But God wants, joy is the overcoming. And so I'm just going to give the mic to Diane and let her share about flagging, because there's many questions about flagging. You know, if you're new new to this church or you've just met God and you don't understand flagging and it's just like, oh, I don't know if God's in that. I don't know what that's about. Um, I want you to hear from Diane and just as the same thing with Melinda, open up your heart and just say yes to God. God, do you want me to embrace change in my worship? Like if your worship is the same as when you got saved, oh my goodness, not a good thing (laughs) because we grow. So I bless you, Diane, to share with us. And you're going to have a video? or Oh, they're, they're helping her out. They're going to give her a mic stand. There we go. Thank you so much, Noah. So thank you, Diane. Okay, this is going to be fun. Now, can you... That sounds like I can hear myself. Is that too loud? Sweet. Okay. All right. So I have, I have a few slides to help me out. So I think if you can just go to the first slide that doesn't have a bunch of words, it just has a title. Um, so I just want to share with you that um, I, th- I think God wanted me to, to let you know how, how I came to know about flagging. And then after that, we're going to talk about flags in the Bible after that and a few other things too and how, how flagging is happening here. Okay. So to start with, when I was in Calgary, we, over the years, we weren't always at the same church. Like we were at one church for a few years and then God moved us to another church. And that was kind of what was happening during that time. And one of the churches we went to was a lovely church that we really were blessed by. But, and during that time, I had this kind of, I guess I would say a yearning to move during worship. And so I I had this yearning to move during worship, but I looked around and nobody else was moving. And I thought, well, okay, I guess that's not what I'm meant to do here. But I could, it was starting to grow in me. And it was at that church that one of the women gave a workshop and I really felt moved to go to that. And she is someone who does liturgical dance so, and she w- would do that kind of dance in a church. And she also talked about color, and we used color and we used art. So, there's a lot of different ways that you can explore during worship. So, s- some people might be, m- some people here might have a yearning to, to paint or to use art. And we haven't done that here yet, but maybe that's something that's going to come. So, yeah, so we just need to let Holy Spirit do what Holy Spirit's doing. 
and just trust that if that's meant to come, it's going to come too. So during that workshop, I met some people who were in a dance fellowship, and it's an international group, and that was how I came to know about flagging, because um, so I started to go to this thing on a Saturday, and it was all about moving in worship in different ways, and some people really enjoyed flagging, and others were more into the dance, and I seemed to discover that I like to do both. And so it was through that group that that came about. So I was really thankful for that. But I have to say, it didn't just all of a sudden become easy because when I started doing flagging in my church at that time, I was very nervous. So I was at the back, and thankfully there was room in the back. And so that was a good place to start because I was nervous about people looking at me. But then I started to learn, okay, this is a visual art. So if it's a visual art, it's meant to be seen. So, okay. So I think we're going to move to the next slide here, I think. Okay, so, so I wanted to give you a few different verses that speak into flagging. And so, so it starts there by saying that flags, flags can be used in different ways. So one way is that they're used to, to identify a person or a group of people. So for example, here in this day and age, maybe it's, it's, it's a sports team, you know, like maybe you're looking at the Olympics and they're, you know, as the countries are going forward, you're seeing flags or, or maybe it's not the Olympics and, you know, like, like it could be a team flag. So, so that's maybe a, a current example. But ba back in the time of Israel, in the Bible, like, like in the Old Testament time, each tribe was led by someone carrying a flag. Okay? And, and that would also, like, like especially when they were in battle, they would, the, the flag would be at the front. And so that's very significant. So we'll talk more about that too. Okay, so, so another thing that's very significant is that flags or banners can also be a covering over someone. And, and there's, there's the verse in the Bible that says, let, let his banner over me be love. And so, so, th so picture over us a big flag or a banner over us that represents love. Okay? So that's, that's in Song of Songs. So another verse is Psalm 20, verse 5, where it says, May we shout for joy over your victory and lift up our banners in the name of God. So that one, again, is a banner. So lifting up, lifting up a banner. And it's, it's representing the name of God. Isaiah 31.9. Now this, this is taking it more, more into, the, in, into the picture of a flag in battle. So, so try, try to visualize that as we read the Isaiah verse. So Isaiah 31.9 says, Their stronghold will fall because of terror. At the sight of the battle standard, their commanders will panic, declares the Lord, whose fire is in Zion, whose furnace is in Jerusalem. So here, a stronghold is going to fall because of how we're going into battle. And, and, so, and so, as I said, the, the flag is at the front. And so flaggers and dancers, like, like the worshipers, they're at the front. And so if you think about how... I, I don't know if, you've, if some of you have felt this before, but sometimes when we are trying to come into worship, it seems like there's a bit of interference, and it's not us that's interfering. It's, it's like there, there's a spiritual battle going on, and it's not necessarily something you can see unless you've been given that gift to see that. <laughs> and so the enemy is not super thrilled about us worshiping God, and yeah, and so... The worshipers are breaking through that, that interference. We are, we're pushing that interference away. And we're standing up in, in our love for God. And we're standing up and worshiping in freedom. And it's important for all of us to, inter, to enter into worship in the way that you are wired. Not the way that I am wired, but in the way that you are wired. So all of us are wired to worship in different ways. And just over time, 
just pray and ask God to help you to grow in that freedom and, and maybe to discover more about how you're, worship, you know, how you're wired. So, because, because we're all different. There will be some that will want to dance. There will be some that will want to flag. But that's not everybody. But it's important for me to, g to give you an opportunity to understand, well, what is this flagging all about? Okay? In the last verse there, Isaiah 49:22, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. See, I will beckon to the nations. I will lift up my banner to the peoples. Can you take it to the next slide? Thanks. Okay, so, so I've already sa said the first thing there. I've talked about how we're wired in different ways, and so that might be, like I say, so there may be people who just like to be silent in prayer. That's worship. There may be people who want to read scripture. There may be people who want to sing, and others maybe not so much, you know, but there's, there's lots of different ways. And even, even when we come and come and take communion, that is another way where our hearts can be engaged and we're worshiping God. So there's lots of different ways. And it's, it's really important to understand that the Father is inviting us into more and more freedom, but not, not in, in, a, in a chaotic way, and, and we'll talk about a little bit more about that in a minute. Um. <laughs> so I, I also thought it would be very important to share the example of King David. King David did not use a flag, but he is a, a super example of someone who worshipped with great exuberant, and it literally says in, in the NIV, he worshipped with all his might. So there's the reference if you want to look back to that story. So that is a really good example of worshipping with all your joy or all your sorrow or just all your heart. Okay? We can move on to the next one, on to the next slide. Okay, so this is important too. Like, even, even though we're talking about freedom here, we're not talking about, you know, I get to have my way and this has nothing to do with others. Like, we need to, we need to have freedom, but there, is also, there also needs to be balance. So, when I'm worshipping, I really, my heart's desire is to be following the lead of the Holy Spirit. And so, I'm asking God, okay, do you need me to do anything right now? Or do you just need to be, do I just need to be off to the side? Like, so it's, I'm not getting, like, I don't assume that I need to use a flag with every song. I, I want to check in with God. And I also, I also ask him what color I'm going to use. So that's, that's been important too. So he's guiding what's going on in the worship. And so, for example, he, he might say, like, like, like when, when I get a word from God, I can kind of see it in my mind and, and, you know, maybe he'll, he'll give me the word green and I have green flags and I'm like, okay, awesome. So then that's what I'm going to use. And then I start to see in the music, oh, okay, I see how this connects because green, green has meaning. Green can mean new life. And so it can also, um, like, like evergreen, like an evergreen tree is always green but there's also that spring green and, and that new growth. So there's different, different layers of meaning to, to that, just that one color. Okay. So it's very important that when we're worshiping as a congregation and we're not just by ourselves at home, that we need to be using, you know, order and honor. And, and so if there's, I mean, I'm not the only one that might want to use a flag. Like there's lots of young people that want to do that too. And so we need to keep our eyes open and see, okay, let's, let's make space and share. Doesn't, you know, it's, not, it's not about me. It's about us lifting up our banner to God. And so keeping my eyes open and looking around and going, hmm, I think somebody over there has, looks, like they, looks like they have a heart to get out, so ma making space. Okay, so, so it's not a license for a free-for-all. Um, it's, it's where we come together and we are bringing ourselves and what God has given us to share with each other and to bring glory to God. Okay, we can move on to the next one. 
So as I said, color has meaning. Now these are the typical meanings for these colors, but they're not the be all end all because for example, the one at the bottom blue, I'm gonna say that I think God's given me a personal meaning for blue. But anyway, let's just look at each one. So gold typically represents the Father's glory, his holiness and purity. Red is, represents the blood of Jesus that washes away our sins. The fire is representing the fire of the Holy Spirit and his refining fire. Green typically represents the new life we have in him. And purple represents the royalty of Christ. He's our king. And white is purity and the bride of Christ. And blue is typically, typically people would say that blue speaks of heaven. But for me, I think personally, God has said, that's, that's actually your freedom color, Diane. So, but I think that's just a Diane thing. I don't know. That's between him and I. And when I look at pink now, I see it looks to me like there's a pink thing going on between God and Kalea, right? Because pink is speaking of what for you? Joy, right? Whereas typically people would say, oh, well, pink represents the heart of love. And I'd say maybe most times it does. But we need to be listening to what the Holy Spirit's saying to us because worship's very individual. Okay. And we can move on to the, to the next one, which is the last one. Okay, so I also wanted to share some of the cool things that God is doing here and also what I've experienced in what one other situation as well that wasn't here. So um, I think I'll start with, with the one that happened when I was in Edmonton. So when I was in Edmonton at a, a prayer and worship summit, where we spent two, two days in worship and prayer. We, you know, we would stop and go, go for lunch, stop and go for supper, and then we'd come back and do, have some more time in prayer and worship. And there was a variety of people doing a variety of things. Some people were sitting and being silent, and they were in prayer or just receiving. Others were up and moving around. There were people painting, there were people dancing. There was all kinds of things going on. And I was listening to God, I was standing at the back and I'm thinking, okay, this is, I'm looking at things on, in, that I'm seeing in the, the words of the song that are on the screen. And I was noticing it was talking about fire. And I'm thinking, okay. So I had flags, as you may or may not know, that look like fire. So I, um, I went up to the front to kind of check in with the, with the lady who was standing there. She was holding green. And I didn't know why she was holding green. I was thinking, well, I've got fire. And, and I was seeing fire in the song. And so I went up and I kind of looked at her. I said, you know, is this supposed to be part of what we're doing? And God had just been speaking a word to her, a prophetic word to her. He had said, Where, when, when the fire goes, the green grows. I'll say, say that again. So when the fire goes green grows and if you want to think in the literal it makes me think of a forest fire that after a forest fire there's a lot of green that grows up but what is but this is what god is doing right so she didn't have any fire fabric or any fire stuff so she was like ooh, smiling at the fact that god's drawing me you know he's god's pulling me to the front so she was thinking oh yay okay so, so that's what we did. Two of us, um, two of the ladies held green and they moved with like these big, huge pieces of fabric. And I, I had the fire color. So we danced a little bit at the front and then we went down the aisle and came back and it was very joyful. And, and it was interesting because I didn't get the word, but God was directing. And so I was trying to follow the Holy Spirit's lead. And then a fun example that I've experienced here Recently, very recently, um, we were in the middle of our music worship time. And I say music worship because we don't just worship when we have music on. Um, but so, and I was, I was listening to God and I got the color red. So, I'm, I mean, I'm a very simple person. God's not speaking complex things to me. He's just giving me a color and come for it. Whereas, you know, 
others here he's speaking more he's, he's giving a word of scripture to you know a prophetic word so he's he's speaking to us all differently <laughs> and i said to god quietly i don't have red but i felt very compelled to go and get some red fabric after that sunday i thought hmm, maybe we're going to need some red at the junction church in the future i don't know so i thought okay where am i going to do that and I even got to go shopping with my sister, who's not a believer, and uh, she had a, a discount card at Fanny's, and I'm like, sweet. So we went together, and, and they just happened to have a very unique kind of red. It wasn't like this hot red that's really bright, but it was more like it was a deep red. So I bought lots of it, a really long, long piece of it. And then I brought it the next Sunday, and I thought, okay, God, I really, I, I don't want to assume that this is a part of what we're doing today. So I'm just, I've got it in a bag. It's over there. It's, it's, I've got it in the corner, but I'm not going to assume. I'm not going to drive. I don't want to drive. I want God to lead. So, <clears throat> and oh my gosh, I think it was the first song. And I'm seeing in my mind, clear as ever, anything, red now. I'm like, oh my gosh, Okay. And this is a huge piece of fabric. You, uh, Diane is not just going to use it as a flag. <laughs> but I did wonder if maybe he was going to create something that was very big. And so it was like a banner. So I needed someone to help me, and God gave me a name and someone to go turn to. So I turned to Mary Anderson. And so, and Mary was getting a word from God. Yes, yes, you know, this is, I don't know. Do you remember exactly what God said that day? It was very encouraging because I was like, I'm, you know, the nervous bunny, and she's like, yeah, yeah, okay. So we went to the front, and it was a banner, and it was very big and colorful, and then Troy started speaking. He, he was already leading the worship, and he got a sense of what this was. So he started speaking out what it was, and he was speaking about the blood of Christ, and he told all of those who were here, on that Sunday, okay, we need to take it down that aisle, and we others others need to bring it up this aisle. So, like, I I handed it off. It's not about me. Some people carried it down there, and others carried it up here. And and Troy was really getting words about the blood of Christ, and I was like, Yay, go God. Okay, sweet. This is cool. Um, this isn't just a trip to Fanny's fabric. This is this is about God. <laughs> so, and. Um, so then, then I just thought, you know, I'm just going to leave it on the floor at the front and people walked on it, no big deal, that's okay. And I thought maybe that's, maybe we're done. And, but actually we weren't. The very last song after we'd um, had our message, uh, I was sitting beside Naomi and Naomi leans over to me and she says, I see the red fabric moving. I was like, okay, I, I, can, I can follow that. So we both grabbed like I was at one end and she was at the other end and we started moving it and a very wee little boy started playing it and wasn't that beautiful because I really feel that's an invitation to all of us if you're feeling that urge like you know God wants more freedom and more joy for me that little guy was just he was tossing his little toy I think it was a truck into the red and giggling and smiling and you know like that is so beautiful and then at one point I, I got the sense we need to stand up and so the f so the red is still moving like this big kind of river like thing and then he actually the little guy hopped in right do you remember this he just hopped in and it was like he was in this loving hammock oh my gosh that's he was just in the what? Okay. So you, to you, it was like, like being in the bosom of God. Okay. Yeah. It was beautiful. Yeah, it was just beautiful. So God is moving, and he speaks in many different ways. So that is what I came to share. That's going to speak to many people about many things, but uh, red always reminds me of mercy, and mercy in Hebrew is womb. 
So we're in the womb of mercy. We're in the womb of forgiveness all the time. I'm going to ask Mary to come up and share because she has a testimony about worship. So it triggered something when Diane was speaking. I remember when I was... um, well, I was going to the Presbyterian Church in Nelson, which was actually very charismatic. But I would dance at the back. There was room. I was just too shy to go up front. And I had so much freedom in the back. Um, and a couple of teenagers came and asked if they could, if I would sort of mentor them and we could do some liturgical dance, like actually choreograph some. And I was really hesitant because that would mean that I would have to be in the front. And I said to God, like, who wants to see a 40-year-old fat woman (laughs) up at the front dancing? And he gave me a vision on how he sees me in worship, and it just broke through. And it was, like, honestly, it was this gorgeous, long hair, beautiful wool dress, no varicose veins, And that's what he sees when I dance before him. And so it just broke that whole, and I was up there with these girls. And it was a really a beautiful thing. So just ask, so when it's just you and God, you know, that's that's how he sees me? Okay, I can dance for you. Because it wasn't about performance. It was about worship. Thank you, Mary. See, everybody everybody can have an experience in worship where you have a breakthrough. You think you know who you are, but you're always growing. You're always expressing yourself in a different way. And so um, be sure to get prayer today if you feel like you have any kind of blockage or you feel like you haven't grown or you feel like maybe you feel like even your feelings or your emotions feel dead. Uh, God wants to heal that. Um, I'm, I'm always asked when I come in the door, how are you? And um, I'm always just very spontaneous. I don't know what I'm going to say when I come in the door. Sometimes I say I'm okay. One time I came, someone was at the door, and they said, how are you, and, and how are you doing? And I said, I feel good. And, and I was like, oh, I feel good. I walked away. I feel good. You know, you kind of get that song, I feel good, right? And then I, another time someone asked me at the door, how, how are you? How are you doing? And I, I said, as well with my soul. You know, and, and sometimes I'm surprised that those things come out of my spirit because I can be going through hell. I, I can be going through that valley, the shadow of darkness, but you've got to remember it's a shadow. The tree has a shadow, but the shadow isn't the tree. So your feelings and your emotions can actually try to say the shadow's real. But it's not your rea- reality. The greater reality is there's a tree. So the greater reality is there's a cross. There's Jesus Christ. There's the price that was paid. The greater reality, there's a resurrection. Your shadow could be, wait a minute, I'm going through hell, Well, Jesus conquered sin, death, and the grave. So that's not my reality. My reality is resurrection life. He he moved the stone away. The reality is my freedom, not the feelings and the emotions I have in my valley. Otherwise, they'll drive your car, and they'll drive you crazy. And they'll take all your peace and all your joy, and the God of hope won't be able to fill you with peace and joy anymore because your reality is what's happening to you in the natural. So pray for breakthrough. Go over for prayer today for breakthrough from anybody here. Anybody that said, spoke today, ask for breakthrough for, for your purpose, ask for breakthrough for prayer breakthrough, worship breakthrough, because this new season that we're embracing is embracing worship. It's embracing the sound of freedom. It's embracing the joy, righteousness, peace, and joy. Joy isn't something something that's far off and unattainable. God is with us. We haven't lost anything. Maybe sometimes in your bloodline, I can definitely say in my bloodline, joy was lost. But with me, lost things found. Because I'm discovering joy. I'm discovering that dread and fear and all these things that take away my joy are not my portion. Jesus is my joy. Behold the Lamb of God. What about behold the joy of the Lord? He's the joy of my salvation. You know, it's, it's his joy that he gives you because he's so happy that he's welcomed you home. You've come into his house. He's so happy his children have come home. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full. I always pray over this house. Blessed is our father for his quiver is full. It's overflowing with children. When I saw Jaden come up here to get his son and he was smiling, I was like, that was my everything that Jaden was smiling. 
that he wasn't feeling guilty or condemned. Hey, my kid's up there, and everybody's going to watch me go up there and get my kid. I'm going to go get my kid. You know, the, the, the child, jumping in. This is a living room. The children are leading the way. Let me tell you, the children are leading the way. And they're, they're actually healing us. Do you know who healed me at the beginning of my walk with God? My grandchildren. Because I really got the revelation of how loved I was and how free they were. Because there's something about getting older and maturing is that you lose that childlike freedom of joy. You lose that childlike freedom of expression. You, lo you just lose it. You just become so conscious of, of what you've done wrong or so conscious of the scriptures that condemn you and say who you're not. Even, so they, they're free to be who they are. So I loved it when I saw a father come up here, not embarrassed, no guilt, no condemnation. He, he, took, he turned back and he looked at me and he smiled. And he went and got his child. And I'm like, yes, that's my everything. Children are welcome. So find the joy of the Lord. Discover his joy because he's given it to you. It's in you. It's written on your heart. It's your portion. The news is good news. The gospel's good news. Is salvation, is healing, is wholeness to us. Wherever we've become dead, we can't express our authentic self. We can't be truly who we are. I love it how, how Diane said, we're all wired different. You don't have to be anyone or any, anyone else in this room. I watched somebody, I've, you've heard my, I've had so many testimonies of breakthrough of joy, but I actually watched somebody during worship one time and, the, and we were all jumping and we were all clapping and, we're all, and this person had their head down with their head in their hands. And God said to me, that person's in deep worship of me right now. That's the freedom of this house. Whether you find that walking in the woods. I've, I, somebody took me to their worship place in the woods once. It was so holy and so godly. And I felt so privileged that they invited me into that place. At first I thought, I don't know if I'm going to make it up that mountain to get to that place, but okay, Lord, this is a privilege. <laughs> so we walked up there, and guess what showed up? A deer that stopped, and we stopped, and we couldn't take our eyes off that deer, and I knew this place was holy. I knew that they dedicated their worship their, to that space and that place to God, to invite God in. And I was invited into their holy place with God. And we just stood staring at that deer for, it felt like 15 minutes, but it was probably five. Because neither one, we didn't, and the deer didn't move either. Couldn't stop staring at us. And we couldn't stop staring at it. So I bless your worship. I bless the freedom. God, I thank you that we are free to worship you according to who we are, that we are authentically, unapologetically who we are at every season, no matter how we walk in the door. In those times that I walked in the door and I said those things, I had cancer. Yesterday, God said to me, how do you feel? And I said, I, I feel marvelous. That's the first time that's come out of my mouth. I feel marvelous? What? I feel marvelous? I'm going through hell right now. I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, but I feel marvelous because he's the light in me. He's the lamp to my feet. He's the light to my path. And guess what? That takes you to the table of feasting with him. You hear him. You see him. This church, you know, yes, we used to be in ICU, a hospital room. But you know what? Don't die in the ICU. Come into the place where he says to you, I see you. I, I, see, I see your losses. Ask Diane about her losses. Ask her story, because her story has become his story. He has divinely come in. He's intervened, divine intervention, that her story has become his story. And it doesn't mean she doesn't have those chapters, but it means now she's free to worship him, because that's a sacrifice of love. That's a sacrifice of worship. It's when you think you can't. Whatever's come in, whatever your story has been, and you think, I can't. But you know all you have to do is show up. Do you know how many times I've not wanted to come to church? I'm not, I'm not standing up here and saying, oh my goodness, I just love coming to church. I just, you know, I, I can't fake it. I thought sometimes it's like, it's been hard for me to go to church, but there's never been a time that I haven't gone to church that God wasn't there for me to bless me, to take away the lying feelings and emotions, to speak the truth to me in love, that he was there for me because he loves family. 
He loves one body, one church, one family. He's one God. We're one generation, believe it or not. So I bless you. I bless you, Father. Would you give us the grace of, rela- of relationship, of worship, that we worship you, that we love each other as precious, that this is our communion, that whatever valley anybody is in, that you bring them to your feasting table. And Lord, the result is the marriage supper. It's just dancing and celebrating and thanking you because we live from victory. You finished, you conquered the grave. Whatever we're going through, you conquered sin, death, and the grave. It's been conquered. We live from the place of victory and we're just walking forth into victory no matter what we see or experience because you're in it with us. The conqueror is in everything, all things with us. So we just give you all the glory. Release this house to be a demonstration of worship. I thank you in advance.